0: Right. Well, I hope that was a blessing to you. Right now, go ahead and take your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Not trying to pick a fight today, but um, there's a fight that's been going on for a long time. And uh, I don't know, I just felt like getting involved in it a little bit today. Uh, stuff I've been hearing has just been disturbing me. Just some false teaching that's creeping into Christianity as a whole. Uh, it's some stuff that's really big that's being taught right now. And unfortunately, when I really get mad is when it starts creeping into the Baptist church. And that's when I really get frustrated. And you know honestly I mean this isn't something I'm hearing from all of you I haven't seen it in here but at the same time I mentioned in Sunday school this morning we were practicing a song that we were going to sing about the cross one that we've sung here before one that's very popular amongst Baptists right now and I realized this song is not biblical and it made me mad again all right so I'm just a little fired up because and I want what I want to do today I want to defend the cross I just want to preach a message today, defending the cross. The cross is so important. You know, I'm not somebody that's real big on symbolism. I don't, you know, I'm I'm not one of these people that like having all these symbols all over the place. You know, you got your fish symbols and a lot of these other types of things. And, And I'm not even saying that they're all bad, but I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not real big on them, but the cross, I have no problem with the cross one bit. I love the cross. I believe the cross. It ought to be a focal point to us. I mean, that is the ultimate symbol uh, that we need to have the cross of Christ. And the cross is under attack today amongst false religion. It's always been under attack. In fact, the Jehovah's Witnesses, I know it's not polite to call people out, but you know what? When you mess with the cross... Uh, you're you're treading on dangerous ground. I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out. And I remember, I talked to a Jehovah's Witness one time, and he told me that Jesus didn't die on a cross. And I said, Are you crazy? I mean, and I should have known the answer is yes. But he said, uh, What do you think he died on? He died on a pole, he said. And he showed me a picture of some of their propaganda that they hand out. And it had Jesus kind of on a pole and he's got his hands above him like that with, you know, with one nail going through both hands. Now, first of all, you know, a cross, it just it makes sense, a cross, you know, like a cross street. You know, it, everybody knows what a cross is. Okay, and it's very specific in the Bible. It's a cross, but they say it's not a cross. It's a pole. Now you say, well, what's the big deal? Well, here's the big deal. They're messing with the cross, okay? They're just trying to cast doubt on the cross. They don't want people looking at a cross. They don't want crosses in church. Okay, they're doing all they can to make sure there aren't crosses anywhere in any government buildings or anything like that. And there's a reason that there is an attack on the cross. And there's there's more than one way to just attack the cross. Now, the Jehovah's Witnesses, at least they're honest enough to say we don't believe in the cross, okay? I just wish people were smart enough to realize that's, you know, good, uh, a good sign. You need to run away from them. But at the same time, there's in the Bible we see another way that people are attack, They attack the cross, and I'm afraid these things are creeping into Christianity as a whole, real big, and it's even getting into Baptist churches and some of it's even sneaking into our songs. And uh, we we're going to watch for. We're going to defend the cross around here. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, it says, "...for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdoms of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God." And boy, that's a great passage there. Us, it is the power of God. If it were not for the cross, we would have no hope of going to heaven. We need to keep that in our mind. We need to remember that. And you know what's funny? Yesterday, as I'm in the middle of putting this message together, and I get a phone call, and I didn't even realize what had just happened until after I got off the phone. And it's a good thing I didn't realize what had happened. Otherwise, I, I probably would have gotten in a verbal fight with a nun. I'm pretty sure I was talking to a nun. And they called. And they said it was from a place I, I won't mention the place, but uh, you can narrow it down pretty good after what I told you. But um, and it was in Sterling. But anyway, um, she she called at asking if we had a baptismal certificate for a lady who'd been baptized like sixty years ago. And so I you was know, like, you know, wrong church. We've only been here for four years. And she had mentioned a former pastor of that church, and I told her which one that I thought it probably was. And she was just like. Well, I'm assuming they will have her baptismal certificate, right? And I was just like, I don't know if they save those things. And, and she was just like, well, I, I would think they would save her baptismal certificate, you know. And I and I didn't even realize it when she until after I got off the phone. For the Catholic, you know, those certificates and ordinances are everything when it comes to salvation. But let me tell you something. Who cares if you have a baptismal certificate or don't have a baptismal certificate? That means absolutely nothing. But yet, religions are making huge deals out of those things. They make huge deals out of ordinances like baptism saying you have to do that to go to heaven. Once again, taking the focus off the cross of Christ. Off the work that He did. It's His work. And boy, after I got off the phone and I realized why she was probably so concerned about that baptismal certificate, I was I was wishing I, I was like, man, I should have just said, who cares? <laughs> That's what I should have said. Yeah, and then and I but I don't know, I probably didn't need to get in a fight with a nun. But as I continued studying this and I realized that it was making me mad, and I was ready to go get in a fight with a nun because anyone who's an enemy of the cross, I'm I'm going to fight him. All right, not physically. But I'm going to, we're, we need to defend the cross for us who are saved. For them who perish, okay? for them who perish, like the one I was talking to on the phone, those who are on their way to hell, it's foolishness. Oh, it's got to be more than just what Jesus did. You've got to get baptized. You've got to take you know, communion. You've got to do the sacraments. You've got to confess your sins to a priest. You've got to stay in good standing with the church. Otherwise, the priest isn't going to do last rites on you. And if you're lucky, maybe you'll... Get to go into purgatory. You know, for them who perish, it's foolishness. But for us who are saved, it's the power of God. We know it has nothing to do with those things. It's about what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And the reason preaching the cross is foolishness to the world is because the lost cannot possibly understand the undeserving going to heaven. Okay? I mean, I know you're probably uncomfortable hearing me talk that way about a nun, because you know they're supposed to be so holy and so wonderful. And listen, they probably are good people. Okay, I mean, uh, I'm, as far as man's concerned, okay, if it were not for the false doctrine that's being taught, uh, you know, I wouldn't. I've always been kind of freaked out by them, but at the same time, you know, I wouldn't be scared if one was my neighbor. I wouldn't worry about him breaking into my house and stealing anything. Yeah, I wouldn't be afraid of that. Now, the priest, on the other hand, I might get a little nervous. But I wouldn't be that afraid. But they can't imagine somebody being worse than them going to heaven. See, their problem is they've not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Romans 10.3 For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness... Have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Okay, so now this in this message today, I'm actually I'm not talking about the Catholics. Okay, I'm not talking about the Catholics. They are not the ones that I'm worried about. They're not. I think most people we understand who they are and what what we're up against there. But you know, there is another religion that is trying to get its ordinances into the church trying to you know affect the doctrine of the church and you're going to see in the scripture that it is they these people are attacking the cross okay the very thing that we're all about and that's the religion of Judaism okay Judaism is trying to integrate itself with the church today and you know what it's been going on since Paul's time as I was studying this, and I'm thinking, you know, how, you know, when did this start? When did this start happening? And while I've got my ideas as far as in our generation how it's happened, it's always been going on since the time of the apostle Paul. And I'll show you that in scripture. But 1 Corinthians one eighteen that we looked at, you know, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it's the power of God. We've got to understand that Christ's work on the cross. That is why we are saved. We've just got to get that in our head, folks, that we are saved today, not because of our works, but because of the work of Christ. Because of what He did on the cross, that's why we're saved. Many times as as believers, as we start growing in Christ and as we start keeping more and more of the commandments, we start to fall in that Pharisee category, I'm afraid, sometimes. And we forget that we were saved by grace through faith. We were saved because of the work of Jesus Christ. And it's like we start to think that we're saved because of all these good things we're doing. Well, I go to church all the time. I give money in the offering. I'm a good person. I don't don't cuss. I don't do this. I don't do that. And we think we're saved because of those reasons. And listen, nobody is saved because of those things. Listen, if if you were saved by your works, there would be a lot of Catholics going to heaven before Baptists. Because I know some Baptists there, they're not very good. I know some Catholics that are good. As far as we're concerned, but it has nothing to do with that. Okay, it has to do with the work that Jesus did. And if they if they've not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God, not going to heaven. But we've got to understand, though, there's nothing about our flesh that can make us saved. Okay, said, you, say, you know, why do you bring that? up? will go to Galatians chapter six. Galatians chapter six. We have got You know, there's there's some places around here. That are really getting big. I don't even know what you call it. I've heard people call it like the Hebrew roots movement and stuff. And they're trying to bring back things like the Sabbath. They're trying to, you know, they make big deals about, you know, the circumcision and it being on the eighth day. They're trying to get us to go back to keeping some of those Old Testament feasts. They believe we should still be keeping the feast. Another thing, too, you've probably heard, another thing that they're messing with. They're messing with the very name of Jesus. And they're saying we're supposed to be calling him Yeshua because that is his Hebrew name. Well, first of all, we're not Hebrew. Second of all, Jesus was the Greek translation of his name, and Greek is what our Bible was originally written in. And there's every evidence that that's probably what he was called even in their own language that they spoke back then. We don't the Bible was never written in the New Testament in Hebrew. It was never written, even in the very originals, it wasn't written as Yeshua, it was written as Jesus. But yet they want to mess with that. Why? Because there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Why wouldn't they mess with that? Okay? And yet they're doing it. They're messing with it, saying we've got to use the Hebrew name, they want to call God Yahweh and things like that, and it's it's ridiculous and these people are attacking the cross. And they also they make a big deal, too, about whether you are Jewish or not. And I'm going to show you right here, there's nothing about your flesh that can make you saved. Galatians 6.12 You see, a lot of times when it comes to Judaism, people believe that it means just being a descendant of Abraham. But you know, in the Bible, we see Gentiles all the time that would become Jews. Okay, For example, in the book of Esther. After that story there in Esther, many people became Jews. How did they become Jews? Well, it was, more than, it was more than just converting to their religion, their teaching, but they also would be circumcised. And if they would do that, they could become a Jew. It didn't, mean, it didn't necessarily mean they descended from Abraham. It was a physical thing they would do. It was a physical ordinance. And here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, "...as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised." only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Okay, we're going to go back to that one in a minute. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. God, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy upon the Israel of God. Okay. Now, there's a lot of stuff in here that we could talk about, but first of all, it's not, there's nothing about our flesh that makes us saved. There's nothing you can do to your flesh. That will make you saved. There is no token. There is no ordinance. There is nothing that you can do to your flesh that will make you saved. The only thing about flesh that can make somebody saved is the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. It's about his body. That's why Jesus said, he had told the Jews, he said, except ye eat of my body and drink of my blood. Why did he, what was he saying there? You've got to make this about, he's saying, you've got to make this about my body. The fact that we are saved today has nothing to do with anything physically we've done to ourselves. It has nothing to do with physically where we came from, who we descended from. It is about Jesus Christ. It's about His flesh specifically on the cross. What He did when He died on the cross. And that's why in this passage, we see the cross mentioned several times. It says, lest they should suffer persecution for the cause of Christ. Many people were trying to teach during that time that even Christians needed to be circumcised. And many times they did that to try to please the Jews. Because the Jews, they demanded the circumcision. And they would persecute someone who was not circumcised. And they were trying to please them. And it says right here, you see, that circumcision, it glorifies man or the Jews, not Christ. It says, lest they should glory... In your flesh, they will be able to say, "Hey, look! All those Christians—they are like one of us. They have accepted our ordinance. They have accepted the token that God gave us, that He gave to Abraham, and therefore, uh, you know, they are a part of us. We are kind of with them." And you know what? The truth is, we have nothing to do with with that at all. Our salvation is not based on any. Old Testament ordinance. And we're going to see more Scriptures along that. We are saved because of the cross of Jesus Christ. We are saved because of what He did. It has nothing to do with the flesh. Circumcision, it glorifies man, or the Jews specifically, not Christ. Very clear there in verse 13. But also, it's about the flesh of Jesus Christ on the cross. Okay, Because listen, people, they love to make a big deal about Jesus being a Jew. Okay? And I know that Jesus was a Jew, but here's the thing. If in Matthew, that everyone likes to say that's just to the Jew. They, there's a lot of parts of Matthew that even amongst Baptists are saying do not apply to us because it's not talking to us, it's talking to Jews. Okay, So let's just give them that. But here's the thing. In Matthew, when it gives the lineage of Christ, it mentions four women in that lineage. It mentions four women. And you know what those four women all had in common? they were gentiles. All four of the women that it mentioned were gentiles. Now, why did it why did it throw those ones in there? Why did it do that? Maybe they were trying to teach the Jews that Jesus Christ and salvation it's not about Jesus being a Jew. Okay? Maybe that's what they were trying to say. I don't know. In fact, it's also Matthew chapter 1 that Makes, that talks the most about Him being born of a virgin. See, why do people want to make a great big deal about the race of Christ or the people that He came from when the Bible makes a big deal about the fact that He was virgin-born? The, the seed that was conceived in her, it was of the Holy Ghost. Once again, just taken away from the deity of Christ, taken away from that virgin birth, focusing on the physical, focusing on the Jewish part of Him. It makes no sense at all. It's not right. He was born of a virgin. And it's like they had to make a bigger deal about that in Matthew because it was being written to the Jews. So just so you all know, He had Gentiles in His lineage. And just so you know, even though all the men were Jews, He didn't come from them. He came from God. He was conceived of the Holy Ghost. He was born of a virgin. So, I mean, right there, uh, something that they, they need to remember. Something that we we used to make a big deal about, but now apparently it's not a big deal anymore. It's a bigger deal. The bigger deal than the virgin birth is the fact that He came from Abraham, that He was a Jew. Who cares? Alright, that's not a big deal. It's about His flesh on the cross. What He did for us on the cross. The only thing that matters about a person is are they saved or are they lost? Look at 1 Corinthians, Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter one. We're going to read a couple more verses there. 1 Corinthians chapter one, in verse twenty-two, it says, "For the Jews require a sign, and I believe specifically it's talking about circumcision there, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified." unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So right right here, folks, we see here that for Jews and Greeks, people who teach that salvation is different for other people and for another race are Going against the very cross. He preached Christ crucified. He preached it to the Greeks. He preached it to the Jews. It's the same for everybody. It's all about the cross. It's about Jesus Christ crucified. It's not about we preach Christ the Jew. Okay, No, we preach Christ crucified. That's the big deal. That's the important thing. It was about the cross. It was about what He did for us on the cross. And then... Jump down to chapter 2. In verse 2, notice what Paul said. He said, "...for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified." You know what he's saying right here? He's like, I don't, I don't care where you're from. I don't care who your descendants are. I don't care what you've done to your flesh. I don't care if you've been circumcised. I don't care. what. All I want to know, are you saved? Are you of Christ? Well, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We don't care where someone came from. We are not going to go and we're not going to start another church here. If we start getting several black folks into the church, we're not going to go have a black Baptist church here in town. Or if we get a bunch of Mexican folks, have a Mexican Baptist church here in town unless they need it for the language or something. We're not going to do that. We have one church. Why? Because we have one Lord, one faith, One baptism. We don't need to do separate things. We don't need to change our gospel and change our music and change our methods from one group to another. We preach the same thing across the board, and our nation is obsessed with race, isn't it? This is kind of tough for our culture, and we have a tough time understanding this, and you know what they did back then, too, because who was it that made the biggest deal about race that we see in the Bible? It was the Jews. They were the ones, it wasn't about skin color, but they were the ones that wanted everybody to get circumcised, even after Christ even after Christ's death on the cross. It was them that hated the Samaritans. Why? Because they were only half Jew. They hated them. And today in our country, they're always trying to categorize people based on skin color, based on race. And things like that. Our nation is obsessed with it, but yet you know what Acts chapter seventeen verse twenty six says? It says and he hath made of one blood all nations for men, or, uh, of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. It says he's made us all of one blood. Okay, so if, he, if we're all of one blood now, why would we make a big deal about another blood? Or another race. And especially about the Jews. People want to make a big deal. They want to put them in this separate camp, in this separate category, when it clearly doesn't matter to God. And now, what does matter when it comes to that is the teaching that comes from there. Okay, but it has nothing to do with their blood, it has everything to do with their traditions. And we'll see some of the scriptures on that in a little bit. But our nation, we are, we're obsessed with it. In fact, you know Christianity, it people look at that as kind of a racist thing because it's mostly white people, I guess, that follow it. You know we're racist against the, against the Hindus if we have a cross up there. You know we we're racist against the Jews if we have a cross. But here's the thing, the cross it's for everyone. It's for the Jews. It's for the Hindus. It's for the Buddhists. It's for it's for the Arabs. It's for everyone. It's the most inclusive symbol in all the world. But yet. There's people out there though they want a different way they want a different path. they don't want to submit themselves to the righteousness of God and so the cross is offensive to people. They don't like it. I mean before long they're gonna be banning the letter T from the alphabet because it looks too much like a cross and they don't want to offend a Jewish kid. I mean it's it's getting to that point uh, before too long they're gonna they're gonna make it look different but anyway, that might be an extreme there but listen, there's always has been, and there always will be one body of believers. Another teaching that's getting big in churches is this idea that there was that people got saved different in the Old Testament than they did in the New Testament. That the people in the Old Testament they died, they went to a different place than when we who die in the New Testament age go to. Listen, it's always been the same. There's always been one body. people will try to separate the physical or you know the Israel. Of the Old Testament with the Israel, the spiritual Israel of the New Testament, they try to separate that. But look what Ephesians chapter two, verse eleven says. Ephesians chapter two, verse eleven says, "Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands." Notice how it mentions that circumcision in the flesh. Just showing how it's nothing. But yet, people who do that, they call you uncircumcision, which to them meant you are outside of our nation. You are a foreigner. You are not one of us. And that's how it was back in the Old Testament days. And these people were still trying to do it, even in Paul's days, trying to call people that were not of the circumcision, that were not Jewish, trying to say, You're something else. You are the uncircumcision. But that was a really bad thing to say. They would say things too. You are not of Israel. Which is important because a lot of the promises in the Old Testament are to Israel. And even Christians today are trying to say a lot of the promises to Israel in the Old Testament do not apply to us today. Which contradicts so much Scripture that we don't have time to go into. We will see some of them. But he says, in times past you were Gentiles. Okay, In time past. Before you got saved. Verse 12, "...that at the time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ." Before you were with Christ, you were that. You were the outsider. You were the uncircumcision. You were a foreigner of Israel. You were a stranger of Israel. But, now that you're in Christ, because of the blood of Christ, you've been made nigh by the blood of Christ. To try to separate us from Israel is an attack on the blood of Christ. Which, they just happen to be trying to take references to the blood out of a lot of the new versions of the Bible. I don't think that's a coincidence. And so, verse 14, For He is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. There's nothing separating us anymore. There's nothing separating the saved of the New Testament from the saved of the Old Testament. The, the, we are of now of the commonwealth of Israel, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in Himself of twain one new man so making peace that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints." And of the household of God, and it goes on; it makes it even clearer. But listen, we've all been made one. Okay, the bride of Christ. Okay, people try to separate the bride of Christ from Israel. We're all one. We're all the same. Okay, the Israel of the Old Testament and the Christians of the New Testament. We have been made one through Christ. And thank God, He broke down that middle wall of partition. He abolished those old ordinances. He abolished them. He finished them when He died on the cross. And I want to show you more Scriptures on that too, because people, once again, another thing that some of these groups are trying to bring back is the Sabbath. Telling us that we should still be keeping the Sabbath even today as Christians. But we're going to show you some Scriptures that contradict that. Go to Philippians chapter 3. In verse 1. Philippians chapter 3, in verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. That concision means like a cutting down. I believe it's referring specifically to the circumcision or those who are telling you to do the circumcision. And then notice what he says in verse 3. So when he says, beware of the concision. Beware of those who are telling you you have to be circumcised. Beware of those who tell you you have to keep the Old Testament ordinances. You know, And he said, beware of them. You know why? Because verse 3, "...for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I might also have confidence in the flesh." He said, so we don't make any big deal about the flesh. We're the circumcision. He said, I could make a big deal about being in the flesh. Why? If any man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. Hey, I've got it all, Folks. I've been circumcised. I'm a Hebrew. I even know what tribe I'm from. I'm the stock of Israel. I was a Pharisee, but I make no big deal about that at all. I don't care one bit concerning zeal. Okay, he was a zealous Jew, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. When you if you looked at Paul keeping the Old Testament law, he had everybody beat. But you know what? He was on his way to hell, wasn't he? He was lost. He had to get saved, didn't he? And then verse seven. Uh, well, then if you, uh, you know, when you have a chance, we don't have time to go through it. But he just goes and he talks about all the things he lost. As a result, he counted them but dung. But then in verse seventeen, brethren, be follows together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Who are the enemies of the cross of Christ? The people making a big deal about being circumcised. The people who make a big deal about the Old Testament ordinances. The people who make a big deal about the Old Testament law. The Bible says they are enemies of the cross. And then, uh, verse 19, "...whose end is destruction." They're going to die and go to hell. "...whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things." for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body according to the working, whereby He is able to subdue all things to Himself. So right there we see those who try to bring back those ordinances. okay, Those earthly things. The ceremonial law. Not the the moral law. But those ceremonial things, the Bible says they are enemies of the cross. And I can show you too where specifically it's the ceremonial law it's talking about. Colossians two, verse eight. Turn over there, Colossians chapter two and verse eight. And it's just funny, when all these things are mentioned, whenever Paul talks about Jews trying to bring in these Old Testament things into the church. The cross always gets brought up, always trying to bring people's focus back to the cross. They were always trying to take people's focus off the cross. Once again, just even a Christian saying that there is another way that people got saved—it's always been about the cross. Okay, it's always been about the cross. Saying that even now or someday, you know, during the tribulation, people are going to get saved a different way—it's always been about the cross. And don't let, don't fall for that. Colossians two eight. Beware. Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. You know we've talked before about the uh, dispensationalism, people getting saved in different ways throughout different time. It's garbage, okay? And people who do that, they like to talk about how smart they are, and they like to act real smart. But you know what? Don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. We're not going to fall for that. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, it's talking about like you know those ordinances and things and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You know why we don't have to be circumcised in the flesh? Jesus did that. Jesus fulfilled that Old Testament law. Jesus did that ordinance. He was circumcised on the eighth day. Okay, And so if we are in Christ, we're covered there. Alright? We don't have to do that to get into heaven. Because okay? Jesus did that. He completed that. Verse 12, "...buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised Him from the dead." Okay, When we get baptized... That's like what he did. Okay. The only ordinances we have now are baptism and the Lord's Supper. okay? Baptism. It's like what he did. okay? It doesn't save us, but it's something that we do just in obedience. The Lord's Supper, we are eating His blood or eating his body, drinking his blood symbolically, not literally, symbolically in remembrance of what He did and what we did when we accepted His payment. When we take the Lord's Supper, when we get baptized, we are testifying that hey, we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. We have accepted His work. Jesus died and was buried and rose again. Jesus died on the cross and shed His blood. And when we partake of those two things, what we're doing is we are putting our focus on Jesus Christ and on the cross. But when we do the outward things, the keeping of the law, the circumcision those are putting our focus on a people that had, weren't very good, you know, that, were, that were sinful. And so then verse um, 13, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which are contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. We sing that song, My sin, O the bliss, O this glorious thought. My sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. O my soul, Jesus took those ordinances that were against us. Why were they against us? Well, first of all, we weren't Jews. Second of all, even if we were, we broke the law. Even if we were, I mean, we, did, we, we didn't have a chance, but he went and he completed those ordinances. And he nailed them to his cross, and so therefore, things like those feasts, okay, those feasts that were there, you know, the, the dietary laws, the keeping of the Sabbath, those were completed. They were nailed to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat. There's that dietary law. Can we eat pigs today? Yes. And don't let anybody judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of any holy day. Feast of unleavened bread. Passover. These things that people are saying you need to do that. Don't let anybody judge you in those things. Dietary gone, hallelujah. You know the the holy days gone, or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Did you see that, folks? Don't let anybody judge you in that. You Christian, you know you have your services on Sunday. You should be having it on Sabbath. You should be having it on the Saturday because it's the Sabbath. Don't let them judge you in that. You know what they are? They're enemies of the cross. Getting the focus off the cross, putting the focus on the Old Testament laws, and right there lays it out. We don't have to do those holidays anymore. Hey, if you want to take a day of rest on Saturday, go for it. But you don't have to. That was nailed to His cross. Don't don't let Him judge you in meat or drink. Verse 17, "...which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ." They were meant to teach us things. There's prophetical things that we can learn from them, but they don't save us. We don't have to do them. What matters to us is the body of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Don't let him don't fall for their voluntary humility. You don't have to wear a beanie on your head when you pray guys. We don't have to grow the locks of our hair down. We don't have to wear the prayer shawls. We don't have to do all those things. And I mean, that's even creeping into Christian churches. I mean, people who claim to be Christians, they're bringing some of that stuff in. They are bringing these quote unquote, saved rabbis, that still call themselves rabbis, that still look like rabbis, that still dress like the Jewish rabbi, and they come and they teach them all these Old Testament ordinances. And they include Christ in there, but then they try to get people to do those. That sounds kind of like what was going on in Paul's day. And Paul said, they were an enemy of the cross. And he said, well, we need to be nice. you know, Let's cut them some slack. No, they're an enemy of the cross. They're going after the cross. They're taking people's focus off the cross, off the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And listen, without the cross, without Christ's shed blood, we would have no hope of salvation. And no one is going to get to heaven through anything other than the work of Jesus Christ. And anything that takes people away from that, bringing in, bringing Judaism, and merging it with Christianity... That is against the cross of Christ. We are about the cross of Christ. We are not going to put symbols of menorahs around our church like some places have done around here. We're going to have the cross. We're going to keep on having our services on Sunday. Why? Jesus resurrected on the first day of the week. And I don't know. That's more associated with Christ. We're not going to associate ourselves with A dead religion with a completed religion; those things were finished. You, if you want to have a feast of unleavened bread, I think that's that's in the spring. All you want to go have a feast of unleavened bread? Go for it. But you know what? You're not pleasing God. (laughs) You're, You're not you're not impressing him one bit. In fact, some of those things, some of those feasts, were a picture of his death. You know, something them looking forward to that, and for us to, to do that now would be like us acting like it hadn't happened. I think many of those would be a sin, but yet people are trying to bring it back, and we're not going to do it. We're going to keep on having crosses around here. We don't care who it offends. We're going to keep on having church on Sunday. We're going to keep on eating bacon. We're going to keep on, you know, celebrating Christmas. We're not going to separate, celebrate those old holidays. We're going to keep on calling Jesus, Jesus. We are followers of Christ. We are going to lift up the cross, promote the cross, and no one is going to get saved without putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in His work that He did on the cross. And so, with that, I want us to all stand together right now defending the cross. Don't